Kelly Spears, and this is The Dirt, where we dig deep with those helping to feed the world. Episode 19, Courtney Dehoff. So this morning, I am super excited to be sitting down with Courtney. Uh, Courtney is originally from Kansas and has now found herself in Dallas, um, which is actually just only a few hours away from me. And I was there uh, for the past 12 days, I guess. Um, But she's a farm girl who went from the wide open spaces uh, to kind of the big screen. And um, so I'm super excited to kind of get your take on things today and get a kind of a little bit of a different perspective. Um, So Courtney, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself to get things started here today. Yeah, well, thank you uh, so much for having me. As you said, uh, I grew up in Northeast Kansas on on a small ranch. My grandparents were on a large ranch not too far from where I grew up um, and just was an ag kid, you know, went to a pretty small high school. Everything was agriculture all the time. Um, We showed Angus heifers all across the country and we also rodeoed. I'd say we have a younger sister who's seven years younger. Uh, So I like to say that we had the best of both worlds. We got the livestock side and the rodeo side. And, you know, every now and then we would have to choose between, you know, going to the high school, national high school finals or the Angus nationals and Uh, But it was just a really cool upbringing. And, you know, to this day at 30 years old, I'm still really good friends with a lot of those people. And my TV career has taken me out of agriculture. And I sort of took myself away from agriculture and then have fallen back in. But I know, you know, at any point, uh, no matter where I am in the country, I could call any of those, those ag people up and they would be there, whether I had seen them in 10 years or not. And that's just something I really love about my upbringing, but I went to Oklahoma State mainly to rodeo, uh, as luck would have it. You also have to have a major in education. (laughs) Uh, So I majored in ag comm solely for the reason that a girl I had rodeoed with the year before in Kansas majored in ag comm. She's like, yeah, you should major in ag comm. And I was like, cool, let's do it. I don't really know what that is. I don't really know what I want to (laughs) do. So I majored uh, in agricultural communications and my freshman year, we took a tour, you know, one of those like intro classes that you have to pay to take. That's really kind of stupid. Well, for me, it it worked really well uh, because that's how I discovered television. We toured a TV station and I thought it was just really neat and it was just like exciting and I needed an internship to graduate. So I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get this internship out of the way freshman year, first semester, and just be done with it. So I have plenty of time to rodeo. And so I got an internship at this TV station and I worked there, you know, all three years of college and just really fell in love with it. Um, You know, I enjoyed AgCom. It was easy. You know, I, I naturally am a writer. It, It was a, it was a fun degree and I really enjoyed it, but television was really what I was interested in. And, you know, I learned basically everything at that internship that I needed to know. And you know, so that's sort of my journey from Kansas to Oklahoma State to, you know, television, and then sort of uh, followed that TV dream for the next, you know, 10, 12 years. Yeah, and so when you, I know you said you kind of happened upon this internship, but did you have any inkling that like TV was something you wanted to do, or was it really that internship that opened your eyes? No, it was really the internship. You know, TV was never really something that had crossed my mind. I did grow up Um, And I, looking back, I'm old enough now to sort of look back and see that the foundation was being set. But like all of those Angus shows, I was the kid that did every contest. You know, I did all the public speaking. I did the extemporaneous speaking. I was on the sales talk team. 
you know, I was a rodeo queen. Like I was always sort of performing, I guess, if you will. Um, but, you know, looking back, those rodeo and showing cattle, I think really set the foundation for being able to just walk in as a freshman who had never had any experience in television uh, and just be able to sort of naturally be on there. I wasn't great. You know, I remember uh, my executive producer, Rob, used to be like, now you're not giving a speech to people. This is different. Like, stop talking at them. You're talking with them. Um, so there was definitely a learning curve, but you know, I just, it was just, it, it was exciting. It's a thrill. You know, TV is a, is a high. Um, it really is, you know, when the lights are on and the, you know, they're counting you down and you're going live, there's, there's nothing like it. Yeah. That's so funny that you mentioned that too, about the, you know, the speech It's not a speech. Cause I have had the same kind of experience. Um, same thing. I grew up showing cattle and, um, livestock judging and all of that. And so when I kind of first started this platform and started kind of doing videos, it was like, I was giving a set of reasons and yes. everyone was like, okay, you got to stop that. Like make it more casual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so hard. And I just, I was under every preconceived notion too, you know, like I was a national champion, like speaker. I was right. going to be great at TV. And I remember right. my boss was like, yeah, you're really good at giving public speech, right. but you're not that great at TV. So, you know, it's definitely, it's different, um, but I just, yeah, like, you know, with anything, the more you do it, the better you get, so. Absolutely, and I also kind of, uh, um, I think those activities that you were involved in growing up kind of probably helped confidence-wise, too, just to be able to go in and say, this is, this is what I'm going to talk about type of thing. Um, I think that's one thing the agriculture community as a whole does a really good job with youth as far as creating confidence and establishing that in um, young individuals. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, so you have a very kind of interesting story as yeah. far as your trials and tribulations to kind of get to the point where you are right now sitting there talking to me. Yeah. I'm kind of going through that because I think a lot of people can relate to it. Yeah, you know, I, like I said, I got into TV in, in college and, you know, loved it and I was good at it. You know, I just assumed that like I was going to go to straight New York out of college. <laughs> Little did I know, um, that's not quite how the TV industry works. You know, I started at Oklahoma State. I was sort of recruited by a, a rural news network um, that they was brand new at the time. Um that they were launching in Nashville, Tennessee. And they just called up my boss and said, like, we want her. Uh, they had seen a story I did on child labor laws that the federal government was imposing on farms and ranches, you know, 10 years ago. I don't know how long ago it was. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, I didn't even have to like look for a job because I'm so good. Right. <laughs> it came to me like, oh, wow. My, like everyone talks about paying your dues, whatever. I didn't yeah. have to do that. I'm going to, I'm like going straight to the top. Right. Nashville is a great market. Um, everyone had sort of told me like, oh, you're going to have to start out in like a town that nobody's heard of. And I was like, whatever, I'm going to Nashville. Bye. Like I'm going to be famous. Um, yeah, it sucked. And I went to that first job. I lasted for a year and I just, it was an awful experience and it was a tumultuous year. You know, the management was terrible and they just treated the people horribly. And I was working with a lot of, thankfully, veterans who had been in the business, who had worked in places like DC, like high level places. And they would always reassure me, like, it's not, it's going to be, it's, it's always going to be tough. Like, this is the TV and entertainment industry, but like, it's not always going to be this bad. And so they sort of just encouraged me, like, don't give up, don't, 
don't give up, don't give up. Well, I lasted a year and I quit. I was like, I'm not, life is too short. Like at 22, like I'm not doing this. I'm right. not going to be screamed at by my male boss. I am not going to be embarrassed and, you know, humiliated in front of crowds of people by my boss. Like I'm done. I'm not right. going to do this. Uh, so I quit. And the interesting thing about that job, as I said, it was a rural news network. Well, when I quit that job, I also, in a sense, quit agriculture because I had been doing some talking to like outside people, people who'd been in the business, agents, and they had, they were all telling me the same thing. You've got to get out of the agriculture niche. If you want to end up in New York, nobody's going to like look at your resume and take you seriously if you've looked, worked at some like rural American network. That's what they told me. Mm -hmm. And I believed them. And in a sense, you know, they were probably right. Right. And so I thought, all right, I'm done. Like, I'm done with agriculture. I'm going to stop talking about it. I, you know, I was still like, would sneak off on the weekends, depending on where I was living to like, go help an Angus family with a sale or right. to like, go ride a horse or, but I just, what I didn't talk about agriculture for a really long time. Um, so after I quit that job, it took me a year to find my next job and agriculture was how I survived. You know, I went from cattle show to cattle show on different crews and this is a little ag centric, but this is affecting people I know personally. And it's going to affect the rest of the country because it's going to affect our food supply. And everyone in the, in, in the world eats, you know, whether you're involved in agriculture or not, everyone in the world eats. So we all rely on agriculture. And so I pitched this story to my boss and I sort of pitched it to her that way because I had to make sure that I proved to her that it made sense to a national audience. And she just flat out didn't respond. And like, I can see her, like we're sitting in a newsroom, right? Yeah. And so I, I said, hey, did you get my story pitch? Like, because the news cycle happens very quickly, especially with social media. So I knew we needed to get it on that night if it was still right. going to be relevant. And she stood up and she said, yeah, I got it. And need I remind you, this is a real news network. Stop bringing me all your little cowgirl problems. Oh gosh. And I remember just thinking, holy, you know what? I'm either yeah. going to kill you right here in front of everybody. It was like sort of both. You're like so mad you want to kill her. And then at the same time, you're just like so embarrassed. Right. Because she not only belittled me in front of my whole team was sitting there, my co-hosts, everybody, but like, that's my family. And that, in that moment, I thought, you know what? Agriculture has done a whole lot for me. And those people are my family. And at the end of the day, it's not going to be my executive producer at this show who's going to like come to my rescue and take care of me. It's going to be agriculture. Right. And I'm going to stand up for them and I'm going to tell the story. Well, what am I to do? Like, she's already nixed it. So I stayed late that day and I used works equipment <laughs> and I pulled like clips and stuff from that story. What little stuff I could find. And I told this, this story, not of the fires necessarily, like how many acres, how many head of cattle, how many homes had burned down. But I sort of told the story of empathy that is agriculture and how literally from South Texas, to from North, I mean, they were coming in from all angles to help these families. You know, the rest of agriculture was just coming to their rescue. And I posted it on my Facebook page. And back then, I don't know, I had like a couple thousand followers, like my yep. friends and family, right? I don't know, my mom, all her friends, whatever. <laughs> um, and I went to bed and I thought, you know what, at least I tried. At least I tried to use my talents as a TV host to sort of like tell the rest of the world what was happening. And when I woke up the next morning, it had been viewed over 1.8 million times. Wow. And for me, that was such a turning point because I was like, these aren't just cowgirl, pro like these aren't just problems that I'm concerned about. The rest of the world, because that was 1.8 million views, that was not all agriculture people. That story was reaching people outside of agriculture. And that's what advocacy really is. We've got to reach the people outside of our industry. And that was just a real, 
like click, that was just such a turning point for me. And I started telling more and more and more stories and it just sort of grew and blossomed, I guess, um, from there. So that's a really long answer to your <laughs> question. No, I'm glad you talked about that because that was going to be kind of my next segue was that while mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just nine each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Fire story really kind of probably being a turning point in your career a little bit um, as far as bringing probably the agriculture side of things back to the foreground of what you kind of focused on. Um, but I totally agree. I think it's easy to get kind of sometimes ignore the agriculture side of your life um, because people tell you, you know, oh, that's not important or that's not what you need to be focusing on. Um, but exactly like you said, you know, those are the people in the, the industry that's going to be there at the end of the day, not only for yourself, but if you think about it on a global scope, I mean, those are the people literally feeding and clothing yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, no, you're, you're so right. Um, but that kind of feeding into, um, you know, with that being said, and with trying to reach people outside of agriculture, that's something that I know personally I've struggled with. Lots of people I've talked to have struggled with. What's something that you have found that works as far as kind of bridging that gap and bursting that bubble? Well, I will say this. There is no recipe for yeah. this. Um, you know, this is largely how the Fancy Lady Cowgirl was born. So I, I told this wildfire story. And as I said, I continued sort of telling these stories. And um, what year is this? 2020? I don't even yeah. know. A year ago, I guess about a year ago. Yeah, exactly two years ago. I don't know, whatever. I was living in New York. Um, and I was still, I was, I, I was sitting in an apartment in Chelsea in, you know, the middle of Manhattan. And I was, my roommate in, you know, Manhattan, the, the girl I was living with was my best friend that I grew up high school rodeoing with from Kansas. So like two little Kansas cowgirls in the big city, like whatever. <laughs> Anyway, I was sitting in this apartment in Manhattan and I was sitting at coffee shops in Manhattan and I was editing a story about a blizzard that had ripped across Montana and was really affecting farmers and ranchers there. And I posted it, whatever. And it was one of my biggest like view count, whatever to date and had almost like 8 million views, which was really cool. Like I yeah. just, it was a story I wish I didn't have to tell, but it was a story that again, the mainstream media was not talking about. Exactly. And so I told this story and, you know, several days later I posted um, a picture on my Instagram or my Facebook or something of like me in New York. I'd always wanted to go to New York and I was in between jobs as I always am in television, <laughs> as we all always are in television. Um, and I posted a picture of me, like, I don't know, I didn't even know what it was doing something in New York. I got messages from the same people that were sharing that Montana story and just praising me for being a voice for agriculture. And my God, we've, we've needed someone like you. I got messages from those same people because I'm a journalist. I did my research. I went to the profiles of these people. Cause I was like, I need to know, uh -huh. like, are these agriculture people? Sure enough. That said things like, what the hell are you doing in a, you know, what hole like that? We thought you were a real cowgirl. We're going to unfollow. Why are you there? 
you're a disgrace to the agriculture industry. What are you wearing? Why would you hang out with the idiots that live in New York City? I had, I had hundreds of messages from people within agriculture, the same people who were sharing That's my true. stories and who were like, yes, Hyping you need up. a voice. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Wait a minute here. So because I'm not wearing what you think I should be wearing, and because I don't look like what you think I should maybe look like, and because I'm not living in a city that one would, or a town that one would consider like ag you know, centric, you're suddenly discrediting everything I've done for the last four years. And you're, you're just going to write me off. And I noticed more, that happening more and more and more. And I just kept thinking, gosh, this is exactly what happened at that first TV job. Right. I had to choose. So suddenly now it, I had, I had chosen the city life and it sort of, I just kept getting pulled back into agriculture because it's, it's a part of me, you know, it's bred into me and I love the industry. But now here I was being told by my own people, by my industry, the people I love that I couldn't be both. I had to choose. Right. And, and you know, I had used the term fancy lady cowgirl, like here or there throughout some posts throughout like 2018, 2019, but the posts that like really like again, sort of made it click for me. One day I was just ticked off and I was just over it. And I, I literally remember I was walking out the door and I was like typing <laughs> on my phone. I was like, I've had it. I'm like, I don't care if everybody unfollows me. I don't care if, I don't care if anybody never hires me to speak about agriculture again. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. Yeah. And it was a picture of me standing in the subway in New York. Um, I was going to fashion week. And so I was all dressed up, standing in the subway, whatever. And I just did this post and it, it basically, I just said, Hey, I can look like this and be a voice for agriculture. I can love and live in one of the biggest cities in America and still be a powerful advocate for this industry. And it just sort of went on and on. And I was just ranting. It was just a rant is all it was. <laughs> Whatever. I posted it. Made me feel better. The response I got, I couldn't believe it. What I discovered was all these years I had struggled with having to choose. Like, do I wear my cowgirl clothes or do I wear like my trendy city clothes? Right. Like, can I wear cowboy boots in New York? Like, ah, yeah. I don't know. You know, I always struggled with this. The response I got to that post was like, thank God somebody finally said it. Like, thank you. And I thought, wait a minute, there are other people who feel, I just, I always felt like such an oddball. And I always felt like it was because, well, like I was just this weird ag kid who like went into TV. Nobody does that. Like, I'm just a weirdo. That's why people don't know what to do with me. It wasn't just me it was moms and doctors and lawyers and people who had left the country and moved to the city and vice versa people who were raised in the city who wanted to become a part of agriculture all of these people were like yes thank you thank you and that sort of just like solidified for me that I wasn't the only one who felt this way I wasn't the only one who felt turned away by my own people I wasn't the only one who felt written off by a large part of agriculture uh, because I wasn't like boots on the ground on a right. farmer ranch every day. And it just sort of, you know, the wheels slowly turn. And then, you know, March happened of this year. And I was just like sitting in my apartment with not a job in sight. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to really pursue this like fancy lady cowgirl. I'm going to yeah. post more about this and just, I don't know, it'll make me feel better. I don't know if people will be into it. And it was just amazing. The response has been amazing. And um, 
it's just been fun to sort of bring together all of these people that embrace little bits and pieces of the cowgirl and cowboy lifestyle or the rancher lifestyle or the farmer lifestyle, but are doing it in like, you know, really unique ways. And that's one of the things I do on my podcast. I interview a lot of people who are like, kind of like me, a little bit unexpected. You know, the actor in Hollywood who you discover like grew up on a rant. You're like, wait, what? You, you yeah. can ride a horse? You wrote? Like, oh my yeah. gosh, this is cool. You're like, you're shooting a movie in New Zealand, but like you're a cowboy? Like, this yeah. is cool. You know, I've had Ramonte, it's who I'm talking about. I've had him on, you know, from the Food Network uh, judge, the famous, you know, chef, Waylon Lucas, who just finally had enough. And she said, I've got to get out of LA. I cannot live this lifestyle. I cannot be like, you know, this chef who is throwing frying pans at people and just being a miserable person. And now right. she lives on her own little like farm with horses. And, you know, so those are the people that um, I, I try to highlight because I just think that the traditionalist, I don't know what you want to call them, but like the hard, like my grandma and pappy, the right. hardcore cowboy rancher, you know, I think we need to be a little more welcoming to people who are maybe doing it a little different. Yep. Yeah. I, I could not agree more with that. I think it's such a refreshing viewpoint on things um, and something that's definitely relatable because even I feel like growing up, my like fun fact was that like I showed cows, like that was my yeah. cool thing about myself. And then I went to college and I studied an agriculture major and everybody showed cows or everybody mm -hmm. had something involved in agriculture. So it was almost like you lose that little special piece of you, even though you're kind of surrounded by those yeah. people, um, but you have to kind of figure out your own way again. Um, so what I'm saying all that to say is when I stumbled across your uh, platform and all of that, it was so refreshing to finally be like, okay, yes, like here's somebody who is killing it and like doing big things as a like career focused woman but still has this agriculture roots that she pulls from and can connect to everything so and I was at the state fair of Texas uh, this past 12 days or whatever it was and I saw so many fancy lady cowgirl shirts and I was like this could not Did be really? yes a ton like from four-year-olds to like 75 year old women like a range for sure um but so many of them shirts and hats so I had to laugh because I was like oh, oh that's fun as I soon love as I get that's, home, I'm talking to her so <laughs> that's so cool oh my gosh yeah you know the shirts and hats like was sort of just a a quarantine thing like I literally was at the store at the farmer's market that my friend India Whiskey Designs owns this great little store that I love and my mom and I were in there and I don't even know why I knew she did custom work, but like, I didn't, I'd never really thought of it. And, you know, there was nothing else going on and we were in there one day and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to hire India to like make a design and I'm yeah. going to order like, I don't know, 20 stickers. Maybe someone will buy them. If not, yeah. you know, like whatever, I'll have 20 stickers. I sold like a thousand and it was like this whole thing. And I was like, Oh my God, I, I dressed so many envelopes. I'm pretty sure I have sorry. I don't know. Can you hear that? I don't know what's happening. Out there. Something construction, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want me to shut those windows? No, Would that be better? Don't. Are you sure? Yeah, it's totally fine. This always happens. It's quiet <laughs> until I go to do something. And it's then it's too. like, I think they're getting the trash. Um, sorry. You, you can edit that out. Or leave it in. This is real life. <laughs> this is what living in a city is like. Um, but I just, I had no idea. Like, I didn't know if anybody would buy anything. And then I did t-shirts and then I did, and 
very big things coming up. There's a very big event happening. Uh, we're not talking about it because we don't want to jinx anything because 2020, but yeah, right? um, yeah, Fancy Lady's growing. So there will be some cool things coming coming up, but that's really cool. I love that you saw, I, I have never seen anybody like in the wild <laughs> in one of my like shirts or hats yet. And the day I do, I'll probably cry. Yeah, yeah, and actually, one of my best friends that I stayed with uh, while I was there, she put one on one morning, like, and she works at the fair. I mean, I was like, oh my god, I'm talking to her next week, and she was like, what? Like, you have to let me know when that one comes. Ah, out. I'm so, so cool. excited! That's so cool. <laughs> um, but going back to a little bit, actually, perfect timing with the construction noise or whatever that might be. Um, <laughs> living in, uh, you know, a big city, and then also having the small town roots, like. Is there one that you prefer or is it kind of just depends on where you're at the day type of thing? You know, people ask me all the time, like, will you ever move back to the country or will you stay in the city forever? Yes. Like I won't stay in the city forever. Um, I don't know. There's, there's my perfect life. Like the, 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 the dream life would be, you know, you have the ranch, you got the horses, the arena, whatever, wherever it may be. And then you also have an apartment in the city, right. you know, like I, New York is my one of my, it's my favorite place in the world. I love New York City. I love like just the, the energy and, you know, like I'm a big skyline person. I have, I can't afford a full view, but I have like a side view of the city here in Dallas. And I love just at night to just like go out on my balcony and just like look at the city. It just like is exciting to me. And, you know, maybe it's like the bright lights. I don't know. I work in TV. So like, I'm all about like, yeah, the bright lights, the whatever. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's something to be said for both. I think, you know, when I'm back home and I'm on the ranch and like, you can just like take a deep breath and like this kind of stuff, you don't have, right. I don't know what they were doing out there, <laughs> jackhammering, um, you know, all day, all night, all morning, whatever. Um, there's just, there's, I can find peace in both places, I guess. And, you know, for some, I think that's a little bit of the struggle that people sometimes have with me is it's hard for a lot of people in agriculture to imagine wanting to live in a place. And like Dallas, I mean, Dallas is a big city, but it's not New York, you know, right. it's not overwhelmingly right. huge, but I don't know. I just, I love both, but I'm so thankful that I've been able to have both experiences. And I tell people this all the time, you know, agriculture needs people who have left and who have had these other experiences, you know, living in Europe for a while, just experiencing other cultures and, you know, experiencing, you know, things on a more like personal level, I guess, you know, I am able to meet and I have friends, you know, in Dallas who are, gay, straight, black, white, you know, Mexican, Latina. And I just love having like conversations with them because it's so eye-opening, you know, sometimes, and people are going to get ticked when I say this, but sometimes it, we sort of get in this little agriculture bubble 100%. and we sort of just, yeah, we sort of just like do, we have our beliefs and mm -hmm. this is how it should be. And, you know, the people, like when the riots were happening, for example, you know, I saw, I lord that was a whole landmine like I stayed out of it largely yeah. but one thing that I had a very different experience than a lot of people in agriculture one because I could literally hear it right from my apartment with the window my mom and dad were actually here that weekend we could hear it mm -hmm. and it was scary as hell but I've also been able to experience the injustices and I've seen things happening on the streets in the city that you may not necessarily see if you come from, you know, the Midwest or the, 
North, I don't know, wherever. And so it just gives me a different perspective in it. I think it gives me a broader viewpoint on things. And I say stuff a lot of times that the agriculture does not take well, mm-hmm. but I think it's things that need to be said. It's sort of just like being like, hey, I can be both, you know, right. like, there were people who didn't like that. And I always tell people like the people that are criticizing or the people who are mean, you know, that's them projecting their fear and their insecurities onto someone else, onto you, essentially. And it's hard. Like, it still makes me feel terrible. People make me cry all the time on social media. They're so mean. Yeah, they are mean. I just have to, like, take a step back and think, that's not on me. That's on them. Exactly. Something something going on in their life that you have no control yeah. over. Yeah, that was, like, a very – I got way off on a tangent on that <laughs> answer. But, no, I don't like one better than the other, I guess, if that is you. Yeah. Adding to perspective, it sounds like for sure. Um, Okay, so final kind of wrap up question here. So you, like you just said, get to interact with so many different people through your job and your different experiences you've had. Is there something that you feel like you've come across or people um, like maybe just one misconception that people have about agriculture that you would like to either dispel or dismiss or something? Yeah, um, so many. The first, the, the first thing I think of though, when you were, when you were asking that question back before when I was still like not really owning up to agriculture, but when I got into a scuffle, not really a scuffle, I got into a word exchange, I guess, with, um, Taryn Killam, who used to be on SNL. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what he does now, a comedian, I guess. Um, when president Trump got elected, he sent out this tweet and it just basically said rural Americans equal stupid. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, who, first of all, who is this guy? Yeah. Second of all, has he ever, so I sort of like wrote this like open letter to Taryn Killam and then made my mom video it and I read it and then tweeted it at him and he tweeted back. Yeah. And his response was, you know what? You're, well, I didn't know. I had no idea. And you're right. That was insensitive and that was ignorant. And like, he was very responsive, oh, but I think a lot of times there's a misconception that rural Americans, farmers, ranchers, cowboys, cowgirls are uneducated. They're uncultured. They don't travel. They, you know, they don't ever leave their farmer ranch and that couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, right. Farmers and ranchers, man, they are some of the most bright-minded, inventive, innovative people in the world. You know, I I did a little story one time on my social media about, like, you know, Clyde Cessna was one of them. This little farmer in Kansas who built a plane, Cessna airplanes, we've all heard. You know, there's so many people. Sam Walton, you know, he was like a kid from rural America who couldn't keep a job. Right. He opened Walton five and dime. And today we call it Walmart. You know, there are people all over the world who come from rural America who go on to do huge things. And there are people from all over rural America who will never leave rural America who are still doing fabulous things. They're, they're literally feeding the world from these small towns. And I think, you know, it's just this, this misconception that, and we see it all the time in Hollywood. You know, I, I I sort of have a, uh, love-hate relationship with the entertainment industry in Hollywood and that's largely one of the things I'm trying to to bust as well that like you see a farmer in a movie and he's like got hay in his mouth and he's like wearing overalls and you know his grammar is terrible and you're like what like that's not realistic um so I think it's just sort of showing people that like hey 
I'm a cowgirl. And the response they always get is, well, you don't look like one. Well, what do you think a cowgirl looks like? Yeah. Well, I, I don't really know. I'm like, well, you're looking at one, you yeah. know? And I think it's, that's not on other people. That's mm -hmm. on us because right. we haven't done a good enough job of telling the story. And so, right. you know, that's just largely everything I do with my advocacy or whatever you want to call it. I'm just trying to shed a light that we don't all look the same. We don't all come from the same place. You know, agriculture is, there's so many different aspects of the industry. Not everybody's working on a farm or ranch. You know, there are so many other facets of the industry that you can be involved in. And, and I think it's just showing people they're like, Hey, we're highly educated. We, you know, we do care about what's going on in the world. We do care about what's going on in our country. You know, we're not just like the SNL guy. We're not just like going out and voting for the first person on the ballot. You know, like we're, we understand what's happening in the world. And I think that's just, we just need to do a better job of, of sharing the story in whatever way that may look like. There's no right or wrong way to, to share the story. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always say that, you know, agriculture has so much to share, but they don't do a good job of sharing it. Mm -hmm. So kind of what my I goal is through this platform. And I love it. it. Yeah, no, I second it. Um, I tell people all the time, you don't get to complain about being misunderstood in the media. You don't get to complain about, you know, always getting a bad rap when it comes to like climate change and things like that. If you're not willing to speak up, mm -hmm. if you're not willing to share the story, you know, in, yeah. in any way, it doesn't mean you have to have a social media platform. You know, maybe it's just having a conversation with your neighbor across the street who doesn't know what you do as a rancher. Right. You know, there's so many ways to advocate and that could be a whole nother four hour podcast. <laughs> I'll, I'll spare you today. <laughs> uh, well, Courtney, like I said, thank you so much for taking time uh, to chat with me today. And where can people find you on social media and all of those fun things? Yeah, so Instagram's just Court Dehoff. Uh, you can find me on Instagram there. Facebook is Courtney Dehoff TV. And then, you know, my website, CourtneyDehoff.com, everything. Um, it's the French spelling. Good job, mom. It's E N A Y. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if you type in, you know, Court Dehoff on, on Instagram, it'll come up. And I have a podcast called Cowgirl Problems. Uh, so you can check that out on all your major podcasting platforms as well. Perfect. And I will also link that in whatever this one pops up on. So um, everyone will be able to find you. It's Courtney, thank you so much. Um, and like I said, I appreciate you chatting with me. I think this is a, a really different perspective on some things I've talked about. So I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Dirt. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Ag Chicks and that the visual version of every episode can be found on YouTube on our Ag Chicks channel. We'll see you all next time.